passage this morning is in John chapter 14. We are uh, in the last week of uh, Jesus' life. Uh, It's mentioned uh, last week as well that John, the Gospel of John is divided into two parts. The first half basically is the first 30 years of Jesus' life. And then the last half is the last week. And this season of Lent that we're in is one in which we we focus our attention on that last week. If John gave so much importance to the the last week of Jesus' life that he would give it a half of his book, uh, then we too, um, with the the church throughout the ages, um, through the season of Lent, give a, a focused look at that last week with Jesus and his disciples And one in which we, like the disciples, uh, do some introspection, reflection, uh, ask us some of the hard questions about just how are we doing in following Christ? How is it made evident in our own life or is it? The the purpose of Lent then is to to prepare our own heart and soul, to make, make in our own lives together and individually the pathway clear for the Spirit to speak to us on that celebration day of Easter Sunday. So our our passage today is John 14. Uh, Jesus, again, giving some last instructions to the disciples before His uh, impending crucifixion and and resurrection and the coming of the, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give You thanks again for Your written Word May your spirit speak to us. Bring to mind the words of Jesus that apply in our own lives, in our lives together, that we might indeed be a witness to you, to a world desperately in need of your love, of your goodness, of your power. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. It's John chapter 14, starting with verse 1. Verses through verse 14. It's found on page 877 in your pew Bible if you want to follow along there. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. 
Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I I remember uh, studying this passage as a college student, which is getting further and further away in the memory. But I remember a campus pastor there, as we read this, saying to us, you know, Especially when we looked at the part in the first in John 4, uh, 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Where he made that exclusive claim about himself. A, a universal invitation, but an exclusive claim about himself. And even then, that, that didn't sit well on college campuses. And I remember the, the, the campus pastor saying, you know, Jesus really didn't mean what he said there. And granted, sometimes Jesus would use exaggeration. He would use hyperbole. You know, when he said, you know, everybody that, whose eyes cause you to sin, pluck them out. Obviously there, he was exaggerating. And we know that from the context of what he was saying. And we know it because... Nobody did it. And so we know from the rest of the story and from other things that he said. But in this one, you look at the context and you look at the rest of the story and there's no exaggeration here. There's no hyperbole here. This is the message that Jesus has been proclaiming since he arrived. It was the message that was being proclaimed by the prophets before him. And it was the message that the apostles proclaimed after he left. That Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Him. An exclusive reality. A a universal invitation. For He invites all to come to Him. Because, which is only the right thing to do, if what He says is true, that He is the way. Now that doesn't fly very well in our current culture and the the, the current discussion of religious ideas because it is an exclusive claim for truth. And often in our world today, in the, the, the discussion of religious ideas, what we call for, what is the highest good, is to is to be tolerant, right? What is called for in our age is, well, there are no absolutes. Everyone has their own truth. There is no place for an exclusive truth claim. And maybe you feel frustrated by that. As you're, you, if you affirm that this is true, this is what Jesus says is true, you feel frustrated by the, the, the situation that if you stand up and say that you believe Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, that someone looks at you and says, well, you're intolerant. Or, or that's arrogant of you. Well, a couple thoughts around that. One, and now, now follow me here. 
to say there are no absolutes is an absolute. Right? To, to make a claim there are no absolutes, well, do you mean that absolutely? Or are there exceptions? And, and just to say that the idea that, that we, there are no absolutes has no philosophical basis. You know, it, it just runs smack dab into the wall because it is in itself an absolute. And the whole claim to be tolerant works really well unless... Well, then the question is, if you're in a group who says you should be tolerant, well then, can you be tolerant of me if I claim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Or are you intolerant of me? You see, that, that's, that, that social milieu of our day really sort of goes in circles and then just twirls down to really being meaningless. So what does it mean for us in our age, in this age, when we, how can we speak of Jesus and, and be true to his exclusive claims that he makes and that run throughout from Genesis, or from table of contents all the way to maps? His exclusive claim to be the Lord and Savior. Well, what, what you see, it, it, Jesus is making these claims, but what he's trying to give his disciples is comfort. He's not trying to feed them philosophical arguments. I'll only mention that because that's the, the milieu of our day, and we need to recognize that and not be intimidated by that. But other than that, I don't know of a soul. You, some of you may know. I don't know anybody that's come to know Christ because of philosophical arguments. And, and not to put them to the side. They have their place. But the reason he was telling them, I am the way and the truth and the life, is because they were about to go through a real chaos. Their life was about to be turned upside down, tumbled in the dryer over and over again because of the impending events in Jesus' life. And so, Jesus is telling them this in order to bring them comfort. In order to bring them peace. In order to, to, give, to, to root them in the rock-solid faith of who Jesus is. And so for us, as we enter into the world, into the discussion of the world, the marketplace of religious ideas, we're, we are in, we're not in an argument. We're, we're not trying to persuade someone to win them over with philosophical arguments. We simply are there as a witness to proclaim what we have experienced of the reality of the exclusive claim of Jesus Christ who gives us the way and the truth and the life in God. So, so we don't have to be upset. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to get angry. We don't have to disparage other religions. We are simply in that place, in our world, wherever we are, at work, at school, at home, in the community, wherever we go, to speak clearly and plainly of the reality in our own lives that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And He can be your way, truth, life also. He is the way and the truth and the life of God for everyone. And we simply experience that, share that, and invite others to the same.
Now, Jesus, again, he's bringing comfort to his disciples here. So he's not just telling them that he is the way and the truth and the life for philosophical arguments. But he is bringing them that comfort and bringing them that peace and handing them the baton for the mission that they are to carry out upon his departure. He's preparing them for that. See, Jesus being the way and the truth and the life can be a nice philosophical truth. My Lenten question for you, remember the season of Lent is one of addressing the, the, the spirit, addressing the heart, getting, putting aside some of the, the, the philosophical things, the nice spiritual things, and asking the pointed question. My question to you, is He your way, truth, and life? And if so, prove it to me. By your life, show me. That's the truth. Better let don't show me. Show the world that that's the truth. See, and and one, it's nice in the philosophical discussion to say, well, we have every right to stand up and say Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. But we don't stop there because the reason Jesus tells us that is so that we will continue on His mission, so that we indeed will make Him the way that we trod, the truth that we believe, and the life that we live. Is that the case for you? It's absolutely astounding here that Jesus tells the disciples this. He gives them this comfort and peace so that they will carry out His mission, that they will live according to the way of Jesus. And isn't it amazing here that he says, very truly, this is sort of summarizing these first first 12, 13 verses. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me, the one who not just can say Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, but in his life lives that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, the one that does that, the one who truly believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact will do greater works than these. Wow. That's the mission we're on. We're not just given a a, a set of truths, but we're given a life to live, a mission to be on, a team to participate with, to carry out, to continue, and even expand that mission that Jesus started. That's what it means for Jesus to be the way and the truth and the life. Let's celebrate a little bit of that, of what God is doing in our midst. We just sent out the checks a couple weeks ago, just had the privilege of signing over $30,000 of resource that sent around the world to, to, to China, to Korea, to Turkey, and across the street into College Hill. To, to continue to carry out the mission of Jesus. Celebrated with a number of you the, the wonderful ministry of Treehouse and Whiz Kids. We're going to celebrate the Feast of Love and so many other ministries that, that we participate with as a group and that you individually. But it was two weeks ago that Bree Lynn, who entered into the church through the treehouse and through the the youth impact ministry of this particular church. Just 
in the fall, she stood up here with the other uh, fifth graders and received their Bible. And last week she came up to me, Pastor, yeah, yeah, Bree Lynn, I'm ready to be baptized. I said, praise the Lord, sister. Let's go ahead. Let's, let's get it scheduled. Talk, talk to your mom who hadn't yet come into the church building yet. Let's talk to your mom. See when's the time she can come. And you get baptized here. That's the mission of Jesus Christ. Continuing here. Jesus indeed is the way and the truth and the life. And that is what He said and what He meant. He is the way to the Father. What I know is true for me and is true for every one of us here. And in the Lenten season, one of the points of this passage is for us to reflect, for us to stop, for us to listen and say, what are the ways in my life that Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life? The whole point of the Lenten season, to ask that kind of question. To take this week to open up ourselves. Say, okay, God, what are the ways? What are the ways, Jesus, that I am not following you the way you want me to? I've got a question for, for, for us. When's the last time you had a religious conversation, a spiritual conversation with somebody? Period. When's the last time that you, you had a religious convers a spiritual conversation? It could be with a believer. It could be especially with an unbeliever, with someone in, in your sphere of life that doesn't know God, doesn't know Christ. I personally believe that we're so, one, secluded in our own worlds and we're so scared by the philosophical issues of the day that... We don't step out in faith and simply engage others. In spiritual conversation, being a, a witness to the way that Jesus is the way, truth, and life for us. For, for those that don't know, how else will, will they encounter unless they hear it from us? That, that, that continues to be the way that God is convicting me and pushing me outside of my comfort zones. I wonder what it is for you. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we know that to be absolutely true, then that must first apply for us. Amen. So we offer ourselves to God through this offering. In, invite you to look at your, uh, the, the details in your uh, um, hot off the press. For in there, there'll be opportunities of ways for you to simply participate in the work that Jesus is doing in Japan. As a, uh, the Presbyterian, as a Presbyterian church, we have actually 10 different mission workers um, working in Japan. And the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance is there working and to invite you to participate. 
um, through that. The, the ways to participate with Presbyterian Disaster Assistance are in your hot off the press and the, a way that we, as the church, can follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And, and who knows how God might use that in what is so predominantly a secular culture in Japan and it's just the thing that God would do to use something that absolutely is destructive and bring life out of it. So let let us, as, as we continue to worship through our giving, let us give all that we are unto God for He has given all that He is unto us.